Welcome to Hindsight 3150. I'm Afia. I'm Kinga. And I'm Dana. And we don't have Jacob with us today. He had something important to do. Alright, so we're students at Broken College and this is the third episode of a short series on the origins, working, and the persistence of fascism and the fascist tactics and ideology. Last episode, we talked about how to kill democracy. And today, we're going to discuss what it's like living under fascist rule. Um, so this is a little complicated question, but we would like to start with um, the idea that oftentimes when we think about um, Nazi uh, regimes, we imagine living under that type of dictatorship as um, constant state of fear, terror, coercion. But it's crucial to highlight that most dictatorships, they uh, rule through a combination of coercion and also consent. And with that said, living under fascist rule, especially in Nazi Germany, there was a very clear distinctions between those who belonged and those who did not. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that, guys? Yeah. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so those who belonged, oftentimes, uh, Dana, would you agree, they fell under the category of the oppressor. And yeah, then yeah. those who did not were oftentimes the oppressed. oppressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when we were doing the prep work for this mm-hmm. episode, I, I'm just fascinated by Melita Mashman. She is <laughs> she quite really the lady. <laughs> Very special. Yeah, she had so many different responsibilities during the war. And reading her memoir... And hearing how she thought about what was going on is it's just eye opening for yeah. me mm-hmm. like i agree i I think she, as someone mentioned, she drank the Nazi kool aid yeah she drank that kool aid she made the kool aid and then she handed <laughs> she it out to other people yeah like she was like because she was a youth leader, like that mm-hmm. was her job was to get young people into the parade into the yeah into yeah. the parade they got yeah. a little nazi parade oh it, great <laughs> tiki torches yeah it's yeah just mm-hmm. i like reading it i was just flabbergasted because there are so many points where you think she's gonna realize like actually realize the moral implications of what she's doing but it never happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think not only that it never happens, she she really does a mental gymnastics she does. to not allow that to happen, don't you think so? so yeah. She puts it at the back of her mind. Like Every time she tries to like make herself aware of it, she doesn't want to accept it. But every time, it, you're right, but every time it does come to the forefront, she always has something, something to justify it. Yeah. Like... In her book on page 150, she says nations that wanted to conquer the world world empires could not afford to be very squeamish about morality. So she's saying, so she's basically saying, of course, the Nazis are going to do terrible things because look at how big their goals are as if that makes it okay. Yes. And on the same page, she says, you know, they were committed to 
founding that German empire. And she said, we gradually slipped into the attitude that end justifies the means. Yeah. And I think it's in that same chapter, uh, she says it's easier to act outside of your personality if you're doing it as a group rather Mm -hmm. than individually. And I feel like that is a core thing that fascism brings into its society that we're all like we're all in this together like we're all doing it we're all on the same page Mm -hmm. and i I think as we were talking in the preparations earlier the idea to all of us popped in the working towards the fuhrer that Mm -hmm. culture of where um, whether it's a Hitler's personality that allowed for that because he was not micromanaging, it allowed for people underneath him to take a lot of initiatives and that working towards the Fuhrer created a culture where people were almost competing to please him, mm-hmm. to almost imagine what would make him happy, what would be the right thing to do for him and for the greater Germany, for the nation, for the fatherland, and really stimulated some terrible actions and, um, and, and attitudes. Yeah. So, so nobody, nobody really coerced Melita Mashman to no, she, to do what she did. She was a believer. Yeah, like she believed mm-hmm. in the party. And there's a bit where she, oh, I, I have the quote here on on a page 164. She's a youth leader. So the girls mm-hmm. in her group they tell her, "There's no way you believe everything that you're telling us." And in her mind, she's like, "I do." I like do. she. She believes everything. Like she and mm-hmm. I think that's why she always took her orders. Mm-hmm. Like even when she didn't she didn't want to leave the Eastern Front to go work as a propagandist, but she did because that was the best way she could help the war effort. And, and that's the a, fatherland. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's a big theme in fascism. It's all how you can do your best to help the country or the leader achieve his goals and correct yeah mm-hmm. so within that so we know Melita Mashman was she was sold she she was a believer and she've done lots of work to kind of spread the ideology but also from her memoir we see that there were a lot of Germans that worked within the party mm-hmm. that did not have the same ideology but still regardless of that they they acted on as if they were ideological and um it's 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 so interesting to see that that you know we ideology does not necessarily have to drive it but if the culture around you and the expectations around you are a certain way people conform and mm-hmm. people just do what what other people do regardless whether they believe it or not. Hmm. It's like they're all like a bunch of middle schoolers like, "Oh, he did it first. <laughs> yes. Yes, you know, it's it's a I always this question personally always been asking myself a question, what would I do in a in a in situation, situation similar or where there is a 
injustice where I know that some people seriously are suffering and would I be on the right side or the wrong side of the history. And I always come back to, as I've told you earlier, to this one interview that I've watched with uh, Maya Angelou and she quoted Terence with his words that, I am a human being, nothing human can be alien to me. And I really see a lot of, of that, the application in, um, in this like a collective actions and behavior that depending on a circumstances, depending on what is happening mm -hmm. around us, mm -hmm. every single one of us is capable mm -hmm. of even the most heinous behavior. Even though we, we in, a, in a positive, in a normal circumstance, would say we would never do that. But if circumstances are right, we don't have a guarantee. And I think yeah. that was a lot of the Nazi regime kind of and a lot of people within kind of fell into that and we're all humans and because we are humans we um, we adapt we conform and most importantly we excuse our behavior so behavior and actions that are really despic despicable we still mm -hmm. find a way to excuse them and or I think Mashman did yeah. a lot of that don't you think she so? She did a lot of that uh, like that's like the whole book that's what you were saying the other day, Dana. Don't you think so? That the constant theme was for her to kind of not overtly explain to her friend why she did certain things, but yes, it was a bit of a excuse. Like this is why I did the things mm -hmm. I did, you know. And I feel like she's not necessarily trying to say that now, reflecting when she when she was writing the book that what she did then was okay but mm -hmm. at the time she that's how she felt i think she gets that across like she's not well she is but she isn't looking at her past through rose colored glasses she sees the things that she's done and some of it was like i want to talk about um that german family who mm -hmm. they didn't have any furniture in their home. Oh, yeah. yes. So mm -hmm. she fakes like documents and she goes and she takes stuff from the Polish people who were already moved mm -hmm. from their homes. And it seems it's so oh I really want to curse, but it's really effed up. <laughs> and especially because I would find it more sympathetic if she did it because of the hardships for that the German, German family of yeah. having eight mm -hmm. kids and that no was furniture. not the motivation. But that, yeah, Kinga is right. That is not <laughs> the motivation. She did it so the mother wouldn't lose faith in the party. Mm. Yeah, and that is messed up. Oh, yeah. Like she went above and beyond. Yes, and she robbed a bunch of Polish people. Mm. Yes, but for her, it's okay because I didn't take. Oh. All of their stuff. I only took three spoons. Yeah, she so only much. took three spoons. All right, like calm down. And one <laughs> bed, maybe out of each household. Not That's all the beds. Up. Like that now, how many up. Polish people don't have beds because this woman popped out ten kids? Like, yeah. what? Yeah. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. So this is so this is the side of the oppressed, and so they, um, under the Nazi rule people conformed and people whether they believed like Mashman or not they 
they've participated in in um, the despicable actions of the regime, and then on the other hand, we have the oppressed. Yeah. And so while reading Melinda Mashman, I got reminded of a movie that I watched during high school, The Boy in Strip Pajamas. For some reason, it kept on connecting to Melita, Melisha, Melita, Melita <laughs> Mashman because some of the things she's doing are like similar to um, Bruno, who is a little boy. He belongs to a German family. Um, his parents, they moved from Berlin because his father, he's in the army. He's a general. So he's assigned to this outside you said they moved by Auschwitz, correct? Yes. So mm-hmm. they moved there. The the father, he's a general. Um, the son, he's like seven years old. The daughter and the mother, they're like adults. Like they're fully aware mm-hmm. of the things that are going on with them. While Bruno, like he's seven years old boy, he's curious about what's going on. So um, while trying to find out what's going on, he ends up meeting this Jewish boy named Shamil, who's the same age as him. But he looks different. He is in these strip pajamas that, and he's also behind this fence. So he asks him all these questions like, why are you on the other side? Why do you look like that? What's going on? And they just talk and he goes and meets this boy every day. Um, While the mother, she notices that he is going to a certain place. When she finds out, she tries to stop him like, I don't want you hanging out outside the mm-hmm. household. Like, stay inside. You shouldn't be going outside. So he questions the mother, like, why do I need to stay inside? Yeah. Like, why cannot I go outside? Why? Because the mother knows what's going on in the concentration camp. They are literally killing mm-hmm. and gassing people. And she does not want her seven years old knowing all the stuff that's happening. Um, while Bruno, he, he's curious. Yes. He's seven. He's seven, yeah. So one day he promises Shamuel, who's also seven years old, oh, on Friday I'm going to come and I'm going to wear same uniform as you and then we will go out for a walk. I will come on the other side of the fence. That's what happens. The tragic thing is when he does that, he gets mistaken as... As another Jewish boy. Yes. As a Jewish boy. Mm -hmm. And... They get found out, so we'll just come. And it doesn't end well. Hmm. Yeah, so the ending is pretty sad. Both Samuel and Bruno, they get gas chambered and they die. All of this happens. The mother is aware, the sister is Everyone aware. is aware. Yeah, and they're all making excuses. Excuses. They, they didn't know that their own son or the sister's brother or the mother's son or the father who's a general mm-hmm. who's handling all of this that this would happen to him on a yeah. personal level. He never yeah. thought of that connection. So, I don't know. Like, for some reason, when I watched the movie and when I was trying to, like, relate it to what mm-hmm. we were discussing in class, I'm like, in that sense, for a seven-years-old Bruno or a seven-years-old Shamil, they didn't know what was different, like, between them. They were kids. Yeah, because like they there was, understand. there like, was why no difference. Why were you there? Yeah. Why am I but here? But from adults' perspective, one was an oppressor and the other one was oppressed and I think it's it is crucial to remember that people that were oppressed they were not oppressed for what they did but the group to which they belong to yes and and you you could only behave in that way oppressed people when you really 
dehumanize them, where you take away their humanity and, and that excuses your behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, there is, um, in this article by Timothy Snyder, Hitler's Logical Holocaust, he writes something that really stuck with me, that Nazi Germany was a special kind of state determined not to monopolize but mobilize violence. Mm-hmm. And that is something that comes up through whether people in Germany that they kind of voluntarily did uh, terrible acts mm-hmm. uh, or in Poland, like in a book by uh, Jan Gross Neighbors mm-hmm. uh, that talks about pogrom in the small town in Poland, Jedwabne, where half of the town gentle half turns on their, uh, the Jewish half and murders them in a cold blood. And Gross writes in the book that really Nazism taps into the most evil instincts of human beings mm-hmm. where for some reason we are capable well, of right. voluntarily to hurt another being in, in such a fashion. Yeah, it's like fascist governments, they whip up their population with fear mm-hmm. and anger and mm-hmm. this anxiety of being displaced by another group Mm -hmm. and then they'll say okay now take all that and put it right on a specific group yes yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. so um all right Mm -hmm. that was i think that's it for today (laughs) we're running out of time (laughs) unfortunately um Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, that's it for us today. Mm-hmm. I feel like I want to keep talking about yeah, this. Yeah, we can though, keep but, talking. You know, we but have right. a we have a time limit. Eighteen minutes <laughs> is approaching. <laughs> All right. Eight, seven. We'll seven. see you next time, guys. <laughs> All right, bye. bye. bye.